from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. Cases are back on the rise. Mumbai has recorded 889 new COVID cases in 24 hours. The centre has written to five states saying that there has been an alarming rise. Shahrukh Khan हुए कोरोना संक्रमित. करण जोहर की 50वें जन्मदिन की पार्टी में शाहरुख खान भी शामिल थे. One report blamed Karan Johar's mega 50th birthday party for a spike in COVID cases among Bollywood celebrities. Congress party president Sonia Gandhi wasn't at the event. But she and daughter Priyanka have tested positive in the national capital. After months of calm, COVID-19 cases are on the rise in some of India's biggest states. The central government has asked the state governments of Maharashtra, Kerala, Telangana, Karnataka and Tamil Nadu to work towards curbing the rise of cases. Maharashtra has reported a very high positivity rate and Mumbai has seen a jump in hospitalizations, though few are serious cases. But like earlier this year, there have been no additional restrictions imposed on people's movements or activities. To understand how serious this spike in cases is and what you can do about it, I'm speaking with two experts. Dr. K. Srinath Reddy is president of the Public Health Foundation of India and a public health expert. Dr. Anurag Agarwal is presently Dean of Biosciences and Health Research at Ashoka University and has worked extensively in the field of research into COVID-19. I spoke with them about how worried we should be about the rise in cases, who should prioritize getting booster doses and more. Dr. Agarwal, we are currently seeing a surge in COVID cases in at least five states presently. How do you view this? The way I see the current surge is an expected trend that we are seeing around the world that, you know, as immunity from previous surges declines, and new variants with greater immune escape come in, you start seeing an increase in cases. This happens even without variants to some degree. And of course, is exacerbated when you have new variants with greater immune escape. So I think this will be a fact of life that periodically you will get small rises in cases. Uh, but that's nothing really unexpected. Dr. K. Srinath Reddy says the states seeing a rise in cases are those with big cities that have more people travelling in and out of them and also have a high population density. But there are other factors as well. Firstly, there is a far greater amount of mobility. Then you have some of the new variants also entering India. And most importantly, there is a fair amount of laxity in observance of any COVID-appropriate behavior. In fact, the restrictions were lifted even by the governments, thinking that we have seen the back of the virus, but it's not happened. And we know that when the virus gets a chance, especially if new variants also are entering or emerging, then we are going to see the virus actually infect a much larger number of people. The central government in this case has asked the cities to expand contact tracing and testing. How effective would those be at this point? When there is a large-scale community spread, contact tracing doesn't really help. However, when there has been a quiet period and now you're seeing a rise in cases, at least in terms of clusters, 
it may be useful to do contact tracing and testing combined along with genomic analysis in order to find out whether there are new variants around. So from that point of view, it's useful. Uh, otherwise, from the point of view of public health advisories, the standard advisories of COVID-appropriate behavior, especially masks, will be the main thing. With masks itself, you know, we've had a very a mixed relationship in a sense where we kind of initially were militant about it. Then suddenly we've said that it's not so essential and now we've gone back to its compulsory. Does this sort of mixed signaling on mask, I mean, does it kind of affect then enforcing it in a way? Firstly, I believe it's important for us to convey clear messages to the public. We have frequently in 2021 and even sometimes in 2022 conveyed the message that the pandemic has ended. Whenever public authorities say that, okay, the problem is over, we are removing the mask mandate, people will think that there is absolutely no danger around. And other COVID-appropriate behaviors are also abandoned, like crowding in indoor places and so on. What one must recognize is that this virus is going to stay with us, whether in the form of Omicron or some other variant that emerges later. This virus has shown a remarkable capacity to adapt itself and to survive and to spread. Therefore, we are going to see periodic fluctuations in numbers. So our response should be, okay, when it appears to be fairly quiet, then we move around with a fair amount of confidence. But the moment the cases start rising, we have to put on masks. Whether the government mandates it or not, it should become part of public behavior to protect ourselves and to protect others. And there is no reason to see masks as something terrible that has to be imposed by the government. Just think of it like the rainy season or even out of season rains, you may get showers and people take out the umbrella and go out. It's as natural as all of that. So when cases are rising, think of it as a shower of cases. Masks are your umbrellas. So protect yourself. So you have to think of it and internalize the feeling that this is a natural response, not something that is to be externally imposed by a coercive government. And of course, the government too must monitor, not necessarily through fines. I think the important thing is to keep warning people, cautioning people, and making sure, whether in indoor markets or whether in metros, make sure that it becomes part of civic conduct. The rise in cases is also a sign that many of those who were infected earlier are possibly getting infected again with the virus. I asked Dr. Agarwal how that would play out in cities like Mumbai and Delhi, which had just witnessed massive waves of cases at the start of this year. A lot of people say in cities like Mumbai, Delhi, have recently just gone through an Omicron wave at the start of the year. Um, how much of a concern is it this time around in terms of reinfection? Would people who've just been infected be at risk of getting infected again? Or are they sort of sort of safe for some time in a sense? So I guess it's a time when we should speak of safer as opposed to safe. So those who have been recently infected within this cycle with an Omicron variant 
um, are safer than other people who have only been infected in the past with a Delta variant and subsequently immunized or so on. Um, but even within Omicron variants, those who are infected early in the pandemic wave with BA.1 are probably more likely to get reinfected compared to those infected later with BA.2. So many of these recent lineages that are circulating in the world are more likely to reinfect people who were infected with a, with a BA.1 Omicron. So I think the metros in particular, for example, Delhi, was a little bit more susceptible and this is why we saw a second small wave come after the Omicron wave, which has subsided since. I think the same pattern will be seen elsewhere in India. So then does this mean that people who've not taken a booster during that initial wave of Omicron that came in because of the nine-month gap that's there, should they be then, say, getting a booster now? I personally think that we need to look carefully at our booster strategy, the timing of it, and the choices for it. Um, We haven't fully explored the right timing of the booster. For example, when the Omicron wave was imminent, I don't think waiting for nine months was necessarily the best idea, uh, especially for the vulnerable population, should have been given the boosters immediately. Now that I think we have clearly identified the need for boosters, I would say divide based on risk. That's the way to think, not based on an absolute number of months. So those people who we are not thinking are recently infected in the Omicron waves, but are vulnerable or frontline populations, it's very important to get them all boosted as soon as possible. Uh, Otherwise, you you will get these kinds of infections very frequently. And I would really like to see us explore options other than third doses of the same vaccine. And especially you may have seen the CMC low data that the third dose of Covaxin, for example, did not do very much compared to giving a dose of Covishield in place of Covaxin. Would you like to elaborate on who are the priority groups to your mind? Well, we have seen in this pandemic, the single biggest risk is age, by far. Comorbidities come second. But by far, the single biggest risk factor is older age. So I would probably prioritize anybody over the age of 60 uh, for the boosters. And then I would second prioritize exactly the way the government did in its initial strategy, uh, 40 plus with comorbidities, and then all 40 plus. These would be my top three groups in this order. In terms of cases... Um, are these the kind of waves we can expect to see going forward? Because we've spoken about this term endemicity for a while now. But is this what we'd see? A lot of mild cases, few hospitalizations? No, endemicity is not this. I think the word is being completely misused. Endemicity is when you see pockets geographically where a disease continues while most places become disease-free. Epidemic is when nobody can say we are free from the risk. So during endemicity, most people would be able to breathe a sigh of relief and say we are no longer in a region with this infection. Some people would continue to live in such areas. We are still living in the declining phase of an ongoing pandemic, which can go up and down in an unpredictable manner at any point in time. It is continuously being driven by evolution of fitter, newer variants, as well as temporal decline 
of immunity, which basically means with time immunity declines. So this is very much an epidemic pandemic. The only thing that has changed is that the risk to the public healthcare system has declined drastically in those countries where almost everyone has been infected at least once. And those are countries like India and South Africa. What you need to combat new variants is a diverse immune response. People who have been naturally infected and vaccinated have this combination of a strong immune response as well as a diverse immune response. People who are only infected but not vaccinated have a diverse immune response, but not a strong immune response. One of the things that, you know, India, South Africa and countries where, you know, it has spread widely, they have a huge advantage going forward now. We have already paid the costs, obviously, so I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we have an advantage having paid our costs going forward, that the immune response of our population is both strong and diverse. And that means we don't expect to have as severe waves as the Western world. So this hybrid immunity of both infection plus vaccination increases the ability of our vaccines and is a good thing for us going forward. With regard um, to new variants, a lot has been said that we will kind of be looking at Omicron for the foreseeable future. Do we have to keep our minds open to the fact that there could be other variants that are not exactly like Omicron? I would strongly recommend keeping minds open. So, you know, after Delta took over the world, we were all thinking that the next one is going to be Delta plus something. And just because Delta had displaced everything else everywhere in the world. But then came Omicron, which is as different from Delta as Delta was from the ancestral. So, I would keep my mind open on this and I would say that uh, Omicron is not necessarily the last variant. In fact, I would expect the next immune variant to be substantially uh, different from Omicron and thereby escape the immunity being generated by Omicron around the world. Uh, with regard to vaccination itself, one major factor is still the vaccination of minors because we've just started for teenagers to some degree, how much of a factor will that be in the kinds of waves of infections we'll see? At this point, what are we trying to prevent by vaccines? Are we trying to prevent infections of all people blocking transmission? Or are we trying to reduce transmission to vulnerable groups, uh, thereby reducing the impact on the healthcare system? I would say the first is simply not possible given the types of vaccines we have, which are fundamentally all designed towards the ancestral variant and thereby cannot have excellent immunity towards highly mutated variants that don't look anything like the ancestral variant that we see. So I would go in the second direction and say the idea is to vaccinate people to reduce severe disease and stress on the healthcare system. And by that definition, young children or even young adults are not the vulnerable group unless they have comorbidities. So I would not give too much importance to that subgroup, at least to the current generation vaccines, except to make sure that everybody has been at least given a basic vaccination uh, to reduce the risk of severe disease and giving periodic boosters is probably unnecessary for young people. 
since the omicron wave one other phenomenon we've seen is a lot more people either treating them i mean having the luxury of being able to treat themselves at home and in many cases often without even testing because they don't really feel the need to um with a spike in cases again how would you advise people at this time well we must recognize again that we don't really have a treatment for SARS-CoV-2 almost all the treatments that we use are either symptomatic treatments to reduce the symptoms like fever etc or we have you know things like inhaled steroids and other things that reduce the severity of the disease so what i would tell people going forward is that use of rapid antigen test for self detection use of symptomatic therapies at home which are very standardized basically they're only symptoms that are being treated is absolutely fine uh, but all of these systems have a mechanism to inform others so that you don't spread the virus further and those people who have been in contact become aware and the public health system has an idea of what it is facing so do use the apps that come along with your rapid antigen tests so we know what's going on and we have a correct count of what is happening dr reddy says we need to have a better monitoring of cases so that people can isolate and get tested even if they just have symptoms that seem like covid i believe that we need not really restrict our activities we ought to go ahead and there's no point in closing schools colleges and even uh, stopping transport what we need to do is to adapt to the situation uh, as i said if cases are rising make sure that you are masked and everybody else is masked so that the transmission rates come down i think the important element is to ensure that normal life proceeds we cannot afford to interrupt normal life and we adapt according to the situation but we have to definitely ensure that our primary healthcare systems are much better even if people are not getting tested on their own and many people with mild illness will not get tested if we have a good primary healthcare system where people are visiting homes and or even telephonically inquiring about the health of the people then we will be able to get an idea of who is unwell and uh, then of course either arrange for testing or at least based on symptoms classify them as probable covid at the same time we have to enhance civic consciousness so that people who have any kind of cold or respiratory infection isolate themselves preferably get tested but even if they don't want to get tested for some reason isolate themselves till the symptoms are over and they fully recover and then also go about with a mask today's episode was produced by jairaj singh sunai marathe and anuja singh for a daily spotlight on people ideas and stories that matter subscribe to us we're available on ty plus spotify apple Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet dot in.